0: Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
1: Take with your mind.
2: I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20
1: is easy. Welcome to another episode of Equity May. It's a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going?
3: I'm very good, Bryce. I am getting used to that opener. Well, oh. I think you gave it a slight tweet, didn't you? I did change it. it it's It's good Yeah, I actually
1: did a full rewrite Did you? Yeah, yeah yeah. After um, some feedback has come in from listeners You know who I'm talking (laughs) about You know who I'm talking about And uh, didn't feel like uh, Warren would actually get anything out of our episode (laughs) (laughs) So look, I beg to differ But I have changed it But anyway, I'm glad you
3: like it You mean Warren contacted you and said He's actually not getting that much out of it He He actually contacted me and said he's getting a lot of value He just listens for the entertainment (laughs) That's (laughs) That's fine That's
1: fine We're all about educating, entertaining and engaging well, so.
3: uh, there was a poll in our Facebook group, uh, shout out to the Facebook group if you're not already in it, um, where the, there was a, people were voting on whether you should go back to the old intro. Oh, was that? Yeah, yeah. Oh. oh you clearly not paying attention. Oh, no. What was the answer? <laughs> uh, the majority of people supported your change. Oh, But nice. it was more just like... It's Bryce. Let him do whatever yeah, he wants to nice. do. That's <laughs> it. I'm fast and
1: loose. All right. So firstly, a very quick shout out to all of those that have supported us through our support page, equitymates.com support, be it a one-time donation or ongoing, just a massive thank you for those that have done so. Too many names to call out, but you know who you are. Um, a big thanks. So we'll we'll leave it there. Um, head to the page if you would like to, to support us in any way. Ren, introducing a new segment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this segment in the
3: in the spirit of just letting Bryce do do his thing, uh, you've got a segment for us.
1: I do have a segment. Uh, I guess the overall theme for this actual episode, though, is how to know when to sell. Yes. That is going to be the yes. value that we're going to try and un- unpack. Uh, it has come through from our community a lot of times, so that's the main crux of this episode. But kicking it off with a what the. <laughs> <laughs> What the? the segment is uh, something that has grabbed our attention this week, and this is something that we want the community to also hit us up with a what the. If there has been something that has surprised you in markets or, or the economy or caught your attention, head to equitymates.com forward slash contact and leave us with a what the and we will call it out. Yeah, this one Or ca- record, record, record it. Record it yeah. and, <laughs> and we'll play it. This one... Um, It was just at the bottom of an email from uh, one of our listeners, Nick Wine, and uh, he was talking about other things, but just finished with a PS raises up 78% this year. And I think that is a what the? What the? Yeah. (laughs) Raise up 78%. That caught my attention out of nowhere because it had been lagging around the sort of dollar mark for a number of months. And it's obviously kicked off very strongly this year.
3: Now, I off mean, the back
1: of the retail.
3: I don't know if I don't know if I'm allowed to ask follow up questions in. in there this is no follow up questions segment, in the what the do segment. You, do you know why? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a what the. Oh, so that that's a good thing about the what the segment. You don't have to. No, don't just have just done call, your research. Yeah, just, just caught my the. attention. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's just a what the. <laughs> And uh, hopefully by the time we put this to air, there might be a bit of a what the segment opener that we can throw to it. But uh, oh, if I'm there isn't, we'll have a chat to our producer. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, this whole part of the conversation might be meaningless because people have heard the sound drop multiple times. <laughs> true, true, So we can cut that out. But anyway... Nah, leave it in. <laughs> if you want to leave
1: us with a what the, head to our website, equimats.com forward slash contact, leave us a message or uh, hit us up on email and we can call out your what the.
3: <laughs> I, like, I like how for people watching watching us on youtube uh you did the typing action <laughs> yeah true true
1: but anyway let's move to the actual uh valuable part of this episode ren i and think that was
3: valuable oh thank you yeah
1: thank you that is uh knowing when to sell and we've obviously spoken a lot about buying stocks over the last number of years and haven't really dug into you know the key factors that you should consider about you know knowing when to sell and i'm sure there are a lot of people who are seeing their stocks go up and wondering, should I be skimming profits? Should I be selling the whole thing, putting it into something else? And it's not something that we often tease out of our experts as well when we chat to them is the sell side. They're always obviously talking about the buy side. So in this episode, we're going to unpack what we think are some of the key considerations for selling. And then towards the end, we have uh, call in a few of our experts to just get their sort of one or two minutes on why they themselves sell.
3: Yeah, yeah. So... Selling. Yes. Where where do we start? It's ding, a it's, ding. it's a big uh it's a big topic. I mean, isn't don't you only ever sell when you're sixty five and you retire and you cash out all your super and take that uh caravan trip around Australia? Yeah, that's it. Hit sixty
1: five, <laughs> hit the sell button, and, yeah, go, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> go traveling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I mean it's a it's a tricky one and uh we've got some some reasons here. But firstly I think the important thing is to consider who you are as an investor
3: yeah I, I think that's the right place to start because your investing style and your investing philosophy uh, will dictate the answer to this question so to start with a few examples of investors that we not um, you know if you're a momentum trader um, you're looking at things like uh, trading volume, how much people are buying like uh, what what's the price is doing sort of day to day your reasons for selling will be, when momentum slows down or when the price turns. You know, if you're a technical trader, so you're looking at charts and you're looking at patterns in charts and drawing lines and all of that stuff, um, you'll be looking at charts for sell signals. You'll be looking at certain patterns that indicate that the stock price will fall and and that's why you're selling. You know, if you're a GameStop short seller, then (laughs) you would sell when you realise that you've lost billions of dollars and you need to get bailed out. Like, you're... Your investing style will dictate uh, how, how why you sell. Yeah. So, let's frame this conversation in the type of investors that we are, yeah. the type of investor that most, well, almost all the experts we speak to are, and that we think makes the most sense. And uh, from what we can tell, most of the Equity Mates community are. I'd be very surprised if. 95% of our community, we're looking at charts and Day we're technical traders. traders. Yes. <laughs> we have really missed the mark on our yes. content then. <laughs> We don't know our audience. So let's let's um, let's answer the question, what kind of investor are you with uh, long-term investors looking to buy great companies that can uh, generate more profit uh, or take that profit, reinvest it in their business and grow it over time. Yeah. Yeah. And-, and In this episode, we will touch on selling ETFs um, or managed funds as well, but we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah.
1: So we've got five main reasons here um, that we're going to go through with the context of what Ren just said, um, as, you know, we're not going to be...
3: Hold on. Four Uh, main reasons.
1: Four. One, two, three, four, five. I'm saying five. You
3: slipped a fifth in there, but that's, uh, if you you read down the page, you would see that it's...
1: Okay. All right. Well, sure. Uh, Four main reasons with... A number of others <laughs> so yeah, for many ma- other for reasons, <laughs>
3: reasons uh, then there's a, a myriad of other reasons
1: <laughs> so the first one Ren is all about goals obviously if you have reached your investing goal then it might be a time for you to consider selling and you know if you think about uh people will use the stock market perhaps to uh, in safe for a deposit on a house they might use it to uh, as you said retire those sorts of things if you reach your investing goal then it kind of makes sense that you should consider selling and using the money for whatever that goal was
3: yeah and let, let's get more specific here um, well first of all we we don't like the idea of saving for a house in the share market because the Personally, share market's incredibly know. volatile um, but you know speak to a financial advisor or whoever's advising you on buying a house about that um but that's just that's off topic but just given you said it, it had to be responded to yeah <laughs> uh but yeah like if you if you reach your retirement number if you're you know you've um you, your investing goals have changed you would probably sell a lot of your growth assets and move them to you know income paying defensive assets that will sustain your lifestyle and your retirement and stuff like that or yeah you know if you if you quit your job and, you know, your investment goals have changed or your investment, your your needs have changed, um, that's going to be the first time to sell. So, it's not related to what's going on in the companies. It's what's going on in your personal life. Mm, Yeah.
1: mm. Reason number two, and this is probably the biggest for us and, um, you know, it has been indicated by a lot of the experts that we'll speak to later as well, but that is um, to sell... When your thesis has changed, and for those that have just joined the show, a thesis is really your reasoning for buying the stock in the first place. Uh, if if that changes, and uh, you no longer can say the reason you bought it is the reason that you're still holding it, then it is a, it's time to
3: sell. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a concept in investing known as thesis drift, and basically, what happens is. You find a stock, you do some research, you formulate a reason to buy it, for, to buy it um, and you fall in love with the stock. And, you know, um, over the time you convince yourself that it's a good stock and eventually maybe the reason you, uh, you purchased it in the first place no longer applies but you love the stock and you've done so much research on it and you've got such an affinity for it that you keep holding it and you give yourself new reasons to, to hold it. Um, that's something you should avoid. Because if you formulate a reason to buy it, that no longer applies. It probably means you should sell it. Yeah. you. To put it bluntly, you were wrong. Yes. Or the company failed to do what it said it was going to do.
1: Or uh, you weren't wrong in an initial investment point of view, but... Things have happened. Environment has changed. Where that company is no longer, you know, perhaps the leader in the industry, or they've changed management, and you think the management's not going to be able to lead the company very well. Um, so you may have been right, but for various reasons, your thesis may be, maybe changed Sorry, yeah, or maybe
3: yeah, yeah. wrong. That's yeah. That's a fair point. You were like, you know, you were right for if you bought. Um, yeah, yeah. If you were right for twenty years, and then you something changed yeah your thesis time was to broken go. yeah uh, just um, a
1: quick one on that is how do you know if your thesis has changed this is where you do need to sort of be across your companies the best time to understand or a, a, a review your thesis is reporting time we're going through reporting time here in australia at the moment and overseas but they're going to be your companies will be releasing reports on how they're performing what's their strategy over the next sort of five years great time to review yeah. your thesis and understand what's going on
3: Andrew Page, uh, who we will actually speak to later in the show, uh, we'll call him and ask him this question, knowing when to sell. But he wants, uh, either on our podcast or on our TV show, some at some point when we spoke to him, he spoke about he uh, how he, looks, he checks his thesis every time there's new information. So every time the company releases like a half-year report or every time there's a major change that the company's talking about their results or new, they're giving news to the market... He would just read that and then check that against his original thesis to make sure that whatever's happening is in line with his thesis and you know it's not broken. Mm-hmm. There's, um, there's a famous US investor, David Ironhorn, who ran Greenlight Capital, like billionaire American hedge fund manager. Um, he had a hard rule, no broken thesis rule, where as soon as the original thesis, the reason that you pitched at the investment committee uh, that you wanted to buy that stock... As soon as that was broken, had to sell. It was like a hard rule across his floor. Um, Which makes sense. Makes sense. Because mm. to me, like you know, there, you might formulate a new thesis that may be correct and may be a reason to hold it. And if you have a new thesis, that's that's fair, and maybe that's a reason why you hold it. But the important thing is you're not just just letting your thesis drift, and um, you're you're being pretty disciplined in terms of do I actually have a reason to hold this or do I just now sort of like the company? Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, so reason number three uh, to consider when to sell is when the price of your stock is fully realized. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means if you've put in the work and you say, I'm buying this company at $5, but I believe that if everything goes according to my calculations, it's worth 50. Uh, If it hits that price, then it might be a reason for you to sell because... Everything in your your formulas and your modeling and, and your research um, you know has has led to this this price point. Um, so that is a consideration. I guess the question is uh, what about thinking if it's going to continue to run beyond 50? Yeah and yeah. and then also, uh, a company that you're holding for ten, twenty years, um, ha- you know, how do you recalculate? And I think that's sort of the key is to yeah. reevaluate when it does hit that mark.
3: This the the way to think about you know when your price is fully realised is probably not. Don't think about a lot of the companies that we talk about here, um, because you know an Apple or a you know Amazon or a you know even like a Woolies or a Coles like. In theory, they make a whole bunch of profit every year, and then they find ways to reinvest that capital. And if the company is managed well, there should never be a fully realized yeah. price. There will be times that where they're expensive based on their current profit, but you know, over the long over the long period of time, if they can keep growing, um, it's difficult to know when they're fully realized. Conceptually, it's it's easier to understand this if you think about like a mine, and a mine has Hundred tons of coal over ten years. You're gonna. It'll take ten years to extract that coal. The coal is worth you know X dollars a ton. You do a discounted cash flow and you say, well, this is what it's worth today, and that's sort of fixed. And then it's all easier to say, well, what's the value of it? What's the sh- what's the price in the market? Is it fully realized? Is it cheap? Is it expensive? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really struggle conceptually with this one because philosophically a lot of the companies that i buy i don't think about their growth stopping yeah. and, and their, yeah. their price being fully realized
1: yeah i agree i this is some, probably one that i don't really think about when it comes to selling because you're right all the companies that i'm investing in uh i consider to just hopefully continue growing and growing and yeah grow. yeah
3: there is a there is another concept here um about like you know how we talk about the time value of money, and so like a dollar today is worth more than a dollar in five years. Um, let's take a company like Afterpay, which what is trading at a hundred bucks a share now.
1: One fifty-eight, I think.
3: Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think most people can agree that based on Afterpay's current business, one hundred fifty-eight dollars a share is is expensive, and so you might say it it might take ten years for Afterpay you know, intrinsic value to be worth $158 a share. And so, you might say, well, look, I might sell it now because it's sort of, it's valued at what it should be valued at in 10 years. So, I don't expect the next 10 years to have a lot of growth because the market's already put that price on it, Mm. if that makes sense. yeah. Um, So, you could do that. But then, you know, Afterpay is an example. Like, if it just keeps running the way it has you would be kicking yourself. It'll be like a thousand bucks by March. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, not obviously not advice, obviously said <laughs> facetiously. You need to be careful about what you say about after pay. <laughs>
1: um, and then the last one, Ren, is if there's a better opportunity out there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, that's pretty straightforward. If, if, um, and this is obviously if you don't have cash on the side or you, you, you find that if, you, you, you might be getting better returns if, if you sell a stock and, and put it into an opportunity that you obviously think is going to give um, a, a better return, then it's an op- opportunity to consider selling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. pretty straightforward.
3: Um, so to recap the four major reasons, uh, and then we'll get into Bryce's mystery fifth reason in a sec, but the four <laughs> major reasons is um, your your investment goals have changed and that's really about you, your lifestyle, your life circumstances. Secondly, when your thesis is broken... Um, so, the reason you bought the stock no longer applies. Three, when the price is fully realized, um, so there's no value left in uh, holding it. And then, fourthly, where there's an opportunity to do something better, to
1: yes. buy a better stock. And before we jump into my mystery fifth, uh, we're <laughs> going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. So, Ren, there are a number of other reasons to consider. Obviously, those four are the four that we think are applicable to us and our journey and our yeah, context. Yeah, I think the
3: four are the most important. These ones obviously have a role um, and we'll get to it, but um, less, less high in my thinking as yeah. a... 28-year-old thinking about investing for the next 40 years. Absolutely. Probably, hopefully so longer. the one that I was uh,
1: <laughs> trying to sneak in there for the, the fifth is all to do with portfolio mani- management and uh, rebalancing and diversification. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of fund managers set their portfolios up to have specific allocations to either certain stocks or certain asset classes. Yeah. And uh, if, if your portfolio or a certain position in that portfolio grows to exceed that um allocation then they will trim it and sell to give a very practical example i might say that i don't want after pay to be more than 10 percent of my entire portfolio value if it starts hitting 11 12 13 then i will sell enough units that it'll bring it back down to 10 yeah. um kathy wood which uh she has a a, a similar sort of approach which
3: um, Mo- most fund managers do. yeah exactly
1: yeah. so um something that I don't really uh, do, to be honest. Um, I don't have a, a rule around rebalancing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but it is something that the professionals do do.
3: Yeah, and if you read uh, content that's put out by financial advisors, they'll they'll often have something similar, you know, like a 5% rule um, where no one stock or no one asset is more than 5% of your worth um, and, and things like that. And it's all about diversification and reducing your risk. Um, it does make sense here's my philosophical problem with it. Let your winners run. Yeah. As a yeah, yeah, non-professional yeah. investor who doesn't have obligations or to, you know, my shareholders around risk management and stuff like that. Because um, that's why hedge funds do it. You know, they, they've got to manage their risk and they've got mandates and stuff like that. For me, I have no such mandate. And if, well, I mean, you're a better example. I'm sure at one point Afterpay was a meaningful part. percentage of your portfolio. Yeah. Um to arbit to stick to an arbitrary percentage and say i'm worried about the volatility in my portfolio so i'm going to only allow after pay to be 10%. You would have cut lost your nose off to spite your face. You yeah. would have um you would have lost actual real money in the the vain search for some arbitrary portfolio protection. Yeah. yeah. Like if if it's a good company and it's going to continue to be a good company and you think it's going to continue to grow it doesn't make sense to sell yeah agreed yeah um anyway that's that's my issue with it 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 makes sense professionals do it you if people want to do it for to protect against volatility and stuff like that it obviously has a place speaking personally um I'm going to let my winners run. Yeah, for sure.
1: Cut your losses, if anything.
3: At one stage, A2 Milk would have been more than 50% of my portfolio. Mm. At one stage, I had A2 Milk, Slater and Gordon, which was cratering fast, and like maybe one or two other stocks. Um, If I had said I need every stock, let's say I had four stocks at that time, if I said I need every stock to be 25% of my portfolio, I would have been selling a lot of A2 shares on the way up Uh, to buy something else on the way You know, that wasn't performing as well. Yeah.
1: Um, And the final sort of reason that, uh, again, this is probably more to do with where you are in your investing journey and also some professionals do it as well, but that's tax loss harvesting. Um, So selling for tax purposes. Again, this is something that you should talk to financial advisors about though. Um, And it's not something that you or or I do. No,
3: the the only thing that you might think about at this stage in your life is if if you're going to sell anyway, um, well, actually, yeah, so if you're going to sell anyway, you might want to time your sell, um, but it doesn't really matter because if you lose money on a share and you report that to the ATO in Australia, um, you can claim that, you can offset that against future uh, gains. gains on shares in future years. Um, but, you know, P- financial advisors will then start doing all this stuff about, well, You've lost money on a stock. If you still want to own it, why don't you sell it and then rebuy it and claim the tax loss? Um, because that'll be more beneficial than the additional brokerage you have to pay. Like that—that's where financial advisors can can really help. You know, they can look at exactly what's going on with your personal circumstances and make those recommendations. Um, we're not gonna do that. No. Um, but yeah, there's that. You may sometimes sell for tax reasons around harvesting those losses. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, we've touched on capital gains there and and, uh, there are tax advantages. So, please check with your accountant, though, rather than um, taking it from us. But Don't take financial advice from a podcast. (laughs) There are (laughs) a couple (laughs) of other key considerations around um, thinking about selling. And, of course, Ren, you and I, I, I guess, firstly, the longer you leave stocks broadly speaking, in the market and let compounding do its thing, that's where the magic can really happen. So um, from our point of view, selling is not really necessarily on the cards um, in a big way.
3: Oh, no, don't get me wrong. I've sold stocks that I was wrong about.
1: Yeah, but I'm saying uh, just like everything that we've sort of spoken about, um, fully realizing price, thesis broken, investing goals. Your goal really is uh, in 40 years time to be able to have a meaningful portfolio that... Compounding's done its work. Yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. and yeah. so when we come at, at, at it like that, um, yeah, if you continue to sell and churn through, you're not going to be able to let compounding do
3: its thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, now I want to quickly touch on ETFs and managed funds, just for people that primarily invest in that space. Yep. Um so I think the headline is these products, ETFs and managed funds, are designed to be long term uh vehicles long-term products long-term investments um and so really your decision to buy or sell is primarily based around your lifestyle so you know if you're holding a asx 200 index you're not worried about the price being fully realized because the thesis is that the market will continue to get go higher as humans you know apply become more efficient and you know You know, apply their ingenuity to design new stuff, and all, all, all of that, all of that um, good stuff. So you know, you're not worried about the price of an uh, index tracking ETF per se. Um, Your thesis again, like you're not worrying about a broken thesis if you're just investing in like the ASX 200 index because the thesis doesn't break. The thesis is over history; it's returned a good uh, return, and it will continue to do so. So. You really are thinking about your personal circumstances and is this investment right for you. you? You may also sell because there's a better opportunity out there. You might want to sell some ASX 200 ETFs to buy something. Um, but generally, you know, to your point around compounding, you should try and avoid that. Just set and forget those that core ETF portfolio. With managed funds, the only other thing I would add is if the manager sucks. well
1: hopefully you didn't go into it if the manager sucks but
3: sometimes the manager can uh sound good
1: (laughs) yeah and you can not what's on the tin
3: and and it's you know it sucks in relation to their fees like the the best investor in australia you know if hamish douglas was charging us a 10 percent management fee you'd have to say he sucks in relation to his fees that that's that's really all all i have to say nice but hamish douglas you don't suck in relation <laughs> to your face
1: <laughs> so we're going to take a very short break to hear from our sponsors and then we're going to hear from uh, a couple a few experts from the equity mates community to hear their thoughts on why they sell so ren we're going to call three experts uh, rory, andrew and jess to hear their thoughts on why they sell Um, jeez i hope
3: they don't just disagree with what we've said i know good news if everything
1: we said is uh similar to theirs but uh we have uh jess amir who is market analyst at bell direct and uh, jess the question is how do you know when to sell
4: Mm, good question well i think uh as an investor you need to have a set of core values and the first one going into buying a stock is pretty important You've got, to have, uh, you've got to have big bulls. You've got to have conviction to first buy stock, right? So I guess when the chips are down, when the tough get going, you need to remember your core values and why you first bought. And I guess if things haven't changed and the company's earnings are still growing and they're still kicking goals and hitting milestones, then you should probably hold, right? Um, hold. But so bottom line is you've got to have a core, uh, think about your core values. And if the underlying um, rationale for first buying a stock um, or if your convictions change, that's when you'd sell. I wouldn't sell if a business is still kicking goals. So, you've got to remember the key milestones and if a business is continuing to grow its earnings.
1: got uh, Andrew Page, the founder of strawman.com. Andrew, how do you know when to sell?
5: Uh, it's a really thorny question, um, but for my mind, there's, there's only really three reasons to sell. First is your thesis is broken. The underlying investment case, the reason that you bought the shares, is shown to be no longer valid, or your interpretation of the facts have changed. And When that happens, sell and sell decisively. There's no point hanging on uh, after that point. The second is if shares are too expensive, and this is a really, really hard one um the market can do some really crazy things sometimes it gives you a bargain when it falls away but sometimes it can make really really great companies too expensive and that means that you can actually get very poor returns even if the underlying business uh is is performing well and expected to continue to perform well so you have to do a bit of valuation work there and you don't want to be too fussy there's nothing more painful than selling something because you think it's three percent above some arbitrary concept of value that you've come up with but at a point Uh, It is is something that you want to consider. And I think the only other point is portfolio management. Sometimes, if you get particularly lucky, you'll find that you buy a range of shares and one of them performs exceptionally well, which means that you wake up one day and 40% of your portfolio uh, is composed of, of one stock. Now, that's a great problem to have, but just for risk management reasons, it's something that you might want to look just to adjust a little bit. Um, before I go, guys, I, I know this isn't the exact question, but I'd I add a, a couple uh, quick points here. There are there are reasons not to sell, and uh, one reason not to sell is because the price goes up. Stocks can actually get cheaper as they rise in price. In other words, the value become can become well, the stock can become can, can become more valuable even though the price has gone up because the business's prospects have just improved at a greater rate. And it's the same with the price falling. In fact, you may even find that the shares are are more attractive as the price goes down. Price alone is not going to tell you anything without any sensible reference to valuation. And the third reason not to sell is because you predict a market crash. Um, We all feel as though we can do this at times. We're almost always all going to be wrong. So don't don't even bother trying to do that.
3: I like that. I like that. Reasons when not to sell. Uh, And as Bryce uh, is someone who predicted what, three years running that uh, we would have a bear market uh, and was wrong three years running. Uh, I think he's learned that lesson all too well.
5: <laughs> I know that pain too, Bryce. I know that pain very well.
1: So we are joined by Rory Lucas, Chief Investment Officer at uh, over at HM1. And Rory, how do you know when to sell?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question and it's a very important question, um, just as important as it is to um, know when to buy a stock. Uh, the one-line answer is when you think that the stock is no longer a bargain or no longer cheap, and that sounds pretty obvious. But um, the way the way our guys look at it, um, from a funds management perspective, fund managers have generally got investment mandates, um, and within those, they have guidelines, and yeah, it's, it's very public information. But Cathy Wood, who has been the superstar of our last couple of conferences, Her investment mandate requires her to trim positions, in other words, sell some of the holding, whenever that holding becomes up to 10% of the portfolio. So no stock, Tesla included. So whenever Tesla became more than 10% of the ARK Fund's portfolio, Kathy trims it. That's the mandate. Uh, So that's one way of how to decide when to sell. Um, A simple one-liner that I was always taught as a trader is this. If you wouldn't buy it at today's price, you should probably sell it. Um, yeah, And uh, the Trading 101, if it's not a buy, then it's a sell. So that That's my second perspective on it. Um, and uh, for a lot of your listeners who are a bit younger than me, um, my 22-year-old son gave me a yeah, – like I asked him about it, and his answer I thought was, was really good. And it's a bit, um everyone's heard of FOMO, fear of missing out. But another way to think about when to sell a stock is if you're more worried about losing some of the gains that you've made when you've bought a stock, then you are, then, then you would feel bad about having sold it and seen the stock go up further, then you should sell it. Um, now... Yeah, I reckon. I reckon that's a really good one. So, if if you've bought a stock at five dollars and it's gone to ten dollars, you look at it at at, at ten dollars and you go, if this goes back to seven dollars or even back to five dollars, am I going to feel worse than if I sell it and it goes up to twenty dollars? Will I, you know, will my fear of missing out um, be greater than, you know, my fear of giving back some of the profits? Um, so, so, that's how I look at it and how my son looks at it, which I thought was really quite insightful.
1: So, Ren, there we have it. Uh, luckily, what we spoke about at the top of the episode has been echoed by these <laughs> experts, which is good news. Um, so, that brings us to the end of the episode. I hope that has been able to answer some of the questions uh, in the Equitymates community that you may have around uh, when is a good time to sell, uh, a few things to consider. So, uh, Yeah, yeah.
3: You'll, you'll never lose the uncertainty of I've made – 400 percent on my investment should i take my profits or should i let it run like that is by its nature investing Yeah, yeah yeah um and it will depend on the stock
1: absolutely yeah (laughs) <laughs> so we will leave it there. A reminder that Equity Mates doesn't stop when you have finished this podcast. You can contact us at uh, contact at equitymates.com. You can follow us on all the social channels or head to our website, equitymates.com forward slash contact. Equally, we also have the Get Started Investing podcast, which is for all those beginner Buffets, and our Comedian versus Economist podcast, uh, all about the macroeconomics uh, out there. And... Lucky to add to the list our Meets Pay Love podcast, which is all about the uh, money side of relationships with Zoe and Carmel. So if you are not subscribed to that, head over and uh, check it out now. But as always, Ren.
3: Geez, that list, that list, that outro is going to get get longer and longer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, been fun to chat, and we'll chat next week. Sounds good.
4: Thanks for listening to Equity Mates Investing Podcast, a production of Equity Mates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equity Mates Investing Podcast is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances, or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional.